The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by The Spectator's Katie Balls and Conservative Home Editor Paul Goodman. Now, Katie, I think the story that's still rumbling on from yesterday is not the Labour reshuffle, but actually those comments by Gillian Keegan. Let's hear them once again. Does anyone ever say, you know what, you've done a f- good job because everyone else has sat on their ass and done nothing? No, no, no signs of that, no? Where are we on day two about now Parliament's returned, this row that's going on about buildings and bubbly concrete? So Gillian Keegan had a pretty busy day yesterday, not just because she's dealing with crisis in her own department when it comes to the bubbly concrete that's been found in over 100 schools, and potentially that number could go up still, but because she has uh, spent a lot of time on the airwaves. And it began, obviously, you send the minister out in a bid to calm things, but then a hot mic, and we just heard that in the clip, um, saw her effectively uh, be caught swearing just after an interview. But it was put out there and effectively say, you know, why doesn't everyone... I think the gist of it was effectively, why don't people realise how difficult my job is and why don't people say, well done, when you've done some things? And you do think, well, does anyone ever say, you know, you've done an effing good job because everyone else has sat on their asses and done nothing? <laughs> now, the truth of it, and I'm sure Paul has, you know, first-hand experiences, that might be the case, but in politics, you rarely um, are going to get people thanking you for, you know, for the good things. Or even, I think, the voters being particularly grateful for you just doing your basic job. It, do- it doesn't tend to happen. And I think that while actually there are a couple of Tory MPs we've spoken to who say they have some sympathy in the sense, you know, uh, when it comes to the specific issue on concrete, they only recently decided to change the guidance in light of a few things that happened. And therefore, you know, Gillian Keegan, a fairly new education secretary is not the person to blame for a problem that's been around and building for some time. Um, but a lot of others just say it, it suggests inexperience and the fact that you have a relatively inexperienced minister who now, um, you know, is gaff prone. Um, and one figure say to me, it reminded them of um, that Stephen Kinnock clip from election night. You have his wife saying, why are you doing this? Uh, are you sure this is a good idea? His wife being a former Prime Minister herself. Um, so I think we're in a situation where there's probably a lot of criticism of Julian Keegan in her role specifically. And then you have the ongoing issue, which is just the worst start return to Parliament for Rishi Sunak. You're seeing something interesting, which is the Tories are trying to calm the issue down by trying to, I think there is a sense that it's become such headline news on the front of all these papers when, relatively speaking, it only applies to a fairly small number of schools. And there are some who would argue, you know, is it something where it was justified to make this big risk element, which means all these things are required? Obviously, in number 10 and DFE, they decided it was. But the fact you have these banners going out on social media today, effectively saying, you know, most schools not affected. And that's just given Labour lots of fun to start doing their own, uh, you know, banners and returns saying, you know, most people in the sea don't die from shark attacks. Um, I think it's just adding to the sense that it's now, it's not just uh, the fact that parents are clearly alarmed, particularly parents whose children are going to miss in-class time. But I think it's also come a question of um, government competence, particularly even internally within the Tory party when they wanted to come back and look competent. I was struck also by how 
the response in England contrasts to the other parts of the United Kingdom where it also affects them and the low-key response in Scotland where they haven't taken this quite sort of crisis planning level and it's an interesting reaction there. It's almost as though if you are going to say this is a crisis, you want to have a very sharp plan to then calm everyone down and that doesn't seem to have happened here. Paul, what do you make of the whole round? And is it not a sense also that it doesn't even really so much matter what Rishi Sunak does himself, but also it's about seeing voters casting a verdict on the past 13 years of government. So Rishi Sunak's own ability to manoeuvre on this is quite limited. Very much so. So just imagine this has happened in the first six months of a new Starmer government. What would the new Starmer government do? It's obvious. It would say, it's the Tories. They had 13 years to fix this. They didn't. And we've woken up and we've discovered this in our intray. Isn't that the Tories for you? Sunak's not really in a position to say that because the Conservatives have been there for 13 years. And then you, you add on top the Gillian Keegan question. It, it may be a reflection of the fact that we burn through ministers very fast these days. I mean, Gillian Keegan is um, she's a very original sort of politician because she's one of the very few who made her way and without a university degree, did an apprenticeship. She likes to tell people about it and people kind of know but she's not really been at the top of politics that long and was caught in that's just a classic moment that we've seen so many other times in different contexts which is the the moment when you think the cameras are off but they're really on and you must be on your guard all the time never let it down for a moment or you suddenly you know find yourself being written about in the press with words like beleaguered and embattled yeah, I think what Paul highlights there is just the difficulty um, facing Rishi Sunak when it comes to what you say in an election and what you say in the coming months. And I think that, in a way, what's happening with the schools is a microcosm of that because there are so many problems in terms of things not working. Um, Keir Starmer clearly wants to make, you know, broken Britain where there only wants to fix it. I think what you're going to see Rishi Sunak trying to do, potentially in his conference speech, is to draw a line between him and not just previous Tory leaders, but previous politicians that might be a little bit less divisive. And to say, you know, don't listen to those politicians who are telling you there's simple solutions to these problems. There's actually, you know, that's how we got to this point is, you know, short termism. And you can see a few things from what I've done, which is actually about handling hard decisions. And therefore, I am better placed than Keir Starmer to deal with these. Now, that's a really hard message to land. Because for the reasons Paul just outlined, you have so much baggage, you've got to questions of whether Tory MPs are really going to, every Tory MP will have their own allegiance to a certain leader. And therefore, do you ruffle feathers in that sense because you could be criticising some more immediate Tory predecessors? And also, can Rishi Sidak really cast himself as new? It's what the Tories did in 2019. It's quite hard to pull it off again. But I think that will be how they try and respond to it. Especially when you get people like Jonathan Slater coming out and pointing to what Rishi did as Chancellor. Paul, in her answer there, Katie mentions Rishi's conference speech. And we were interested today in the Conservative Home League table of cabinet ministers, which we think is the last one before party conference season. Ben Wallace, after 18 months at the top, has gone, obviously he's left the cabinet. Kemi Budnock has taken his spot. Tell, tell us what you thought from looking at this polling, what your immediate takeaways were in terms of how the cabinet is regarded by the Conservative grassroots. You know, come home league table's been going for about 15 years. Uh, it's a panel of party members. And to cut a long story short, I think it's a very good rough guide 
only a rough one, of course, to what members are thinking. And for a while, it's been evident that their confidence is very low. So they're not giving individual ministers the appalling scores that they used to give to Chris Grayling, Phil Hammond and Theresa May at the very bottom of the Brexit nadir. But they're marking everyone pretty low, really, apart from two or three people. It's as though they're not so much angry as just exasperated and exhausted. And after 14 years, are kind of asking themselves, what have we got out of all this? So Ben Wallace was top. Uh, he was scoring very well. That's no doubt a spin-off from his role in the you know, Russia-Ukraine war and national defence. And now, you know, Kemi Bazanok is, is top, ra rather lower. And Rishi Sunak is in negative ratings, and most of them are scoring very poorly. I think he has an enormous task because the conference speech, it's not like what it was. I mean, we politicos, we follow all these things. But in a world of fractured viewership and social media, fewer people pick up much other than clips. So the conference speech, the Queen's speech... Uh, the reshuffle that he'll have in November, these are really his last chances to communicate anything much to the public before the general election campaign really begins. And in the course of a year, he has deliberately decided not to try to set out his stall, but merely to try to concentrate on his five priorities. So he is starting very late. And in that league table, Rishinak came 25th. Katie, what was your analysis from looking at the rankings? Yeah, I mean, I think Rishi Sunak just keeps flitting between negative to positive, slightly back to negative. And therefore, in a way, I thought it was probably like the least interesting thing in, in the league table, just because I think you just look at the polls and get a sense of the current mood. I would not expect Rishi Sunak to be, you know, on a high. I think it's more the question in the medium to long term, can he improve his and his party's fortunes? So therefore, we get to the, you know, the grassroots favourites. It now seems to be quite a close battle between Cammy Badenoch squeaking it out at the top, but then you have Penny Mordaunt and you also have James Cleverly. And I think if you were to ask, uh, you know, if you were to say what happens in a Tory leadership contest tomorrow, um, you know, say the Tories perhaps you know lose the next election then those are three names you would expect to feature they decided to go for it I think you would also have more thrown in but that gives you a good sense of where the membership might be and I think it's interesting that Claire Coutinho um, who um, ultimately is the newest addition to the cabinet in that big promotion for you know the first of the 29th intake to be promoted she starts you know she's she's in positive ratings, but is fairly, you know, low down. I think that says nothing really about whether there's been a positive or negative response to her, but just highlights the fact that uh, to voters, and including Tory members, very little is known about her so far. So, you know, you speak to some people, say, oh, this is a rising star, potential future leader, and so forth. And I think we've got to see, you know, it's hers now to make an impression. And it shows you how her first few appearances, such as this week at the Energy Bill, but also at conference and so forth, you know, that is where she is, you know, making really her first impression, both with the Tory grassroots and voters. Paul, I think, and you wrote up in your analysis, of course, that, you know, she's only been the job for six days and, you know, there's a lot of don't knows in your survey. What do you make of all of it? There's one um, striking aspect of all this looking ahead. If you are trying to imagine a world in which the Conservatives have lost the general election, not unlikely, and they go into opposition. And it's a difference between the members and the MPs. Because I think, on the whole, if you give the members a choice, two people, and one is seen as more left of the party and the other is more right of the party, 
usually the person on the right of the party will win. There's no great mystery there. But according to uh, Tim Bale, the academic who's done an, an analysis of the Tory numbers, in very simple terms, the worse the defeat for the Conservatives is, the more Sunak flavoured, the more, I don't like the words, but I'll use them as a sort of shorthand, the more centre-left of the party in orientation the parliamentary party is. So you're looking to a future where the members could go one way and the MPs could go another. And we've been there before. We've been there several times. We've been there with Ian Duncan Smith. We've been there with Liz Truss. Uh, we arguably could have been there with Theresa May and Andrea Leadsom. We will never know. But in the event of a, a split of that kind, it doesn't all go well. Yeah, and I also think if you have a parliamentary party that takes a massive hammering and is reduced to, you know, pretty small figures, it also becomes incredibly unpredictable because just in terms of the mathematics of those MP knockout parliamentary rounds, it's much harder to say, oh, there's this block and, you know, a smaller group can get to a point when they have it. So effectively, the worse the defeat for the Tory party, I think the more unpredictable and probably scratchy, to use a word of my predecessor, that the leadership contest is going to be. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Paul. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.